step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Welcome to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford along with Glenn Blackwell, producer Calvin behind the glass. We have a full house and studio tonight because it is all local talk. Come on up here on Penalty Box Radio. We have intern Danielle here. We have Sam Fleming, who is an assistant coach with Gene Ash, prep hockey, also the former voice of Alabama's D1 hockey team. We have George Matarangas, who is also a coach in Gene Ash, a prep hockey team. The Tennessee Outlaws and our analytics guy. So it's it's great to have it we all in house. We about to learn tonight. To learn, learn something. Learnt. Well, Glenn, what did we learn last night in the Preds game? We learned. We learned a lot of things in the last few games since we've last been in studio. That sometimes you just struggle. So well, you know? so we were talking about this before we came on air. Since since we were on air last, the Predators had that nine four game, the franchise mm. history game against Colorado. The the 2-1 shootout loss to the San Jose Sharks, and then the 5-3 empty netter goal, uh, loss against Vancouver. So mm-hmm. a little rough road trip, the CMA road trip that always happens. They have a few days off to regroup. We'll see what happens. Chicago coming in. I mean, if there's a team, maybe, to help you get back on track. Be careful what you say, though. I'm, I'm not, I know. I'm just saying it <laughs> maybe may be. Is a good, yeah. Historically, they've been, lately, they've been doing really well against Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, historically, most teams do well against Martin Jones, but they couldn't even pull that off. Yeah. So <laughs> it's true. And I think that I think that everybody who is a Preds fan after that road trip has to remember that in any sport, it's not just the NHL, you are never going to have a season that is just that's perfect. It's not going to happen. It's also very rare that you're going to have <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're going to have nine goals scored against you. That should not happen. That is unacceptable. That's rare. But that's rare. You can't you can't freak out in that moment, and I watch some people freak out. Now, if that happens, people freak out. What? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> um, if that happens, you know, a couple of times on a road trip. If it happens a few times in a season, ugh, you know. But that was a one that doesn't happen often. I mean, like you like you mentioned, that was a record for this franchise. So. Took over twenty years. A lot of, for yeah, it to happen, so. exactly. So hopefully it'll be another twenty. But just keep in mind that you can't you can't have a perfect season. Nobody's going to have that. You're going to have rough road trips, and they're also going to balance out with with great home stands and great road trips. So it's a it's a balancing thing. But calm down. There's the the anti Prince Facebook from Glenn right exactly. there. Exactly. <laughs> Trying <laughs> to bring everybody back down. But to it a has been level. it has been interesting. So positive note: Philip Forsberg is good at hockey. So he's been no pro- he's been producing so many like he's what he hasn't scored in just three games he's played in right I think that's it yeah just three right. games Forsberg that he's played in has not scored a goal so good news right there Mikael Glenland finally got on the board mm-hmm. been been a rough go rough go for him uh, we had a good article on PBR mm-hmm. talking about that George Matarangas who is 
finger pointing at himself. Yep. <laughs> Put that one out there. Which we want to talk about that later We will. On we'll too, be talking so. about that. I know Dante Fabro has been a little rough for him. They've been thrown to the fire, really. I mean, and it's not necessarily against him. It's more of you're expecting a lot out of this young, young hockey player who has under 30 games of NHL experience, and he's playing top four minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been a little rough. You see flashes where he's like, okay, he, he totally belongs here in flashes where it's like, ooh, a little rough. Not to say he doesn't belong, but... Boy, oh boy, throwing right into it here. I'd rather see Dante Fabro on a third pairing still. Yeah. And you, yeah, you don't want to see flashes on a second pairing, but you have to keep in mind, like you mentioned, his age. You're going to He's see learning. flashes. You're going to see moments where, ooh, that was a rookie mistake. He should have known better. But right. when you're looking at who he's playing next to, you, you put him in that category and you're thinking, you're expecting this veteran presence and you're still, he's still learning. So he's playing next to Angry Eckholm. Yeah. So another thing that was uh, we needed to address from last night is the penalty kill. Mm-hmm. Three goals mm-hmm. scored against the Predators on the penalty kill, and especially a team that has some good young talent. Again, young talent in the Vancouver Canucks. You test the young talent, a lot of times they're going to make you pay. And the Canucks certainly did. So intern Danielle over here did some research on the PK, and it's interesting. 15-16, the Predators were 73.91%. On the PK, 16-17, they're near the top of the league with 89.06%. Mm-hmm. Then down to 82.05 and 17-18, 81.82 and 18-19. And currently right now, they're at 75%, 18 games into the season. Which, even though they have those three against scored against them, is league average. So right now mm-hmm. at the league average. And I think that is a good goal to have in your special teams. At least be league average. You don't want to yeah. be below it, and you certainly don't want to be at the bottom. But league average means, okay, you're if they can okay. stay in that area, yeah. you're okay. You're doing okay. And then let's do everything average. else at five on Good five. for yeah. you. <laughs> That's where you want to get a C. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you don't just pass. You're okay with that. Yeah, you don't just want to pass. You want a, good, a solid C. Yeah. I'm not be, asking you to be an all-star rock star in this all no. the time. You don't have to. You can be a C student and be very successful in life. <laughs> you can be a C student and still win a cup. You can still do that. But yep. you don't want to let that keep going further down. And it's one of those things we're seeing so much shift going on right now, too, where Predators maybe haven't put up as many goals lately as they were earlier in the season, but they still have the offensive power and still that shift of change from missing P.K. Subban on the the blue line and making up for that with Matt Duchesne now on on the front end. So it's still that shift that's occurring here that you're giving – you had to give up something to get something, Mm -hmm. and we're seeing that shift still happen and people getting used to that too. And, yes, bag on P.K. Subban if you want to, but he is a defensive talent. And mm-hmm. you replace you replace PK Subban with a rookie defenseman, and it's again nothing against Dante Faro. It's he's learning. Yeah. Yes, he's going to be totally fine as he continues to grow. It's just that's a situation. If you want to win the cup, mm-hmm. there's some situations you probably don't want to put him in. One of those you're not seeing him on the penalty kill, are you? Yeah, and this is and so, this is something that I've touched on um, in previous shows. It's like. The Predators have set themselves up in a great spot by taking advantage of opportunities they were given throughout the first, you know, 15, 16 games of the season to where they were able to afford themselves those moments of growth and weakness where they might not shine, but they set themselves up in a place already where it's not like they started off the season like this and they've been like this ever since. They, they started themselves off great. And they're going to have ups and downs. So you just have to remember, yeah, remember his age. Like, yeah. it's it's tough, I know, because you obviously want you want results because you have high expectations. But keep in mind, he's twenty two. He is. He is just less than thirty games. Yeah. And so a lot of people have asked, and I want to address this uh, before we move on to our next segment with Sam Fleming. But Don Cherry, 
it's come up. And that has become a trigger name <laughs> on social media. Yes, and um, from every side of the spectrum that you could even imagine, uh, Don Cherry, to where it's making local news because obviously a lot of news channels know it's going to get hits and clicks to see that, you know, the commentator was fired because of these comments, da 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 all that stuff was said, and people having a full-on take on it without even understanding the full entirety of the situation. And so my thoughts on Don Cherry, it's not that this was the straw that broke the camel's back, per se, for lack of a better term, but Don Cherry, in my opinion, has needed to go for quite some time. And it's not necessarily whether you agree or disagree with his opinions, it's that overall, and I was talking to to George Matarangus and Michael Wade just about this too, is that I think he's bad for hockey and the growth of hockey. And, and that to me is because of his stances on so many things and what he said in his past that he is still that old school thought of mine that is anti-growth of the game. And we're, what we're all about here is for the growth of the sport, to see the sport grow, to see more people play the sport. If you're introducing someone to the sport of hockey and the first person they saw was Don Cherry, is that most likely going to get somebody that has no connection to it interested in the game? If they're standoffish, like he has always been. And it's not about what he said about the poppies. He said it obviously very wrong. Even if you disagree with it, you can say he could have said it so much better if he wanted to have that stance. But we go back so many years where he's knocked down Russians and how they play, knocked down Europeans, saying the Russians are lazy, gotten on the Carolina Hurricanes for celebrating and having fun, gotten to Ovechkin for celebrating and saying that you know, he shouldn't be doing that. He has a target on his back. Well, Ovechkin's won a cup, and you know he never got that target on his back like he thought he would. Um, criticizing the celebrations and on everything there, saying there's a way you're supposed to be doing it. You know, let people have their fun. It's a big deal to score a goal in a hockey game, calling people a bunch of jerks. The whole situation, too, and I'm, I'm rattling all this off because there's so much more to this whole story, folks, than just what was said last week from him on remember, for Remembrance Day. But the whole thing about women being in men's locker rooms, you know, female reporters not belonging in the locker room to do their job. So there, there's so many different things in terms of his stances uh, that, that frustrate me for the, for the growth of the sport. You know, him, Mike Milbury is another one for, for me, I don't believe are good for hockey. And to be good for hockey, it's you, you want to support the growth of the game. And it's stick, it's, you have the whole stick to sports aspect that people want to come out with. Well, Don Cherry, he would be the person that would say stick to sports, but he doesn't. <laughs> and that's that's the thing that, that gets me is that he, and he wouldn't even necessarily apologize for the way he said. You can apologize for for the way you said something and saying this is what I meant to say, but he didn't even do that. And that's that's what's frustrating to me. And it's one of those where you need to get him out of the out of the sport. And that was they finally chose that time. Was it the best timing? Maybe not. It probably should have been where he needed to retire, forced retirement, long time ago. I just don't agree that he is good for the sport of hockey, to support the growth of hockey, and for how his segment has been handled for so long. I mean, Canada is actually having some issues with youth hockey because kids are getting burnt out, getting pushed so far, and it's the, the way the game is growing there, that it's not growing near as quick in Canada right now. If you want your sport to continue to grow, you need people that are supportive of the growth of hockey. And you have new people coming to your country, wherever they're from. They could be Canadians, new people that are just being introduced to the sport. Be supportive of the growth of hockey and new ideas and everything as well. And this isn't a right or a left thing. This is about what do you think about the sport and what you think is going to be good for the growth of the sport and for the game. And for me, that's that's my opinion on it. That is long overdue for him to, to for him to move on and for someone else to get in there that is good for the sport of hockey. People, tradition, tradition, tradition. Uh, about the fighting, his whole we had Stu Grimson on. Stu covered it in his book where he called out Stu Grimson for 
apparently take, doing drugs and stuff like that for being a fighter, and that never happened. And he, he apologized for that. It's like, man, if you're going to have hot takes and opinions, you probably get a little bit right on that. And it ticked a lot of people off because he, he would have this soapbox to stand on without getting checked. And he got checked. And the, the whole thing about the Scott Sabrin injury. Oh, he just got knocked out. No, head injuries are a serious deal. They're a serious problem in this sport as well. At every level, they're serious. And for you to just wash it off, oh, he just knocked out. No, it's a serious injury. And they happen. So all those things piling up. It's not one situation that led to this. It is multiple things. And that's why I think that way. So there's that. Yes. Woo. I wasn't you said it. And I wasn't trying to rant. It was just more of a, that's my opinion. Well, no. I mean, you said it well. I mean, I well, ever you. since I got introduced to the sport, he, him and Mike Bilberry I've had an issue with since then because there was a lack of welcoming demeanor. Um, and like you said, it's a very old school mindset to stick to. And when you have that old school mindset, you stay closed minded. So you stay closed off to people, to ideas, to celebrations, to what have you. And and you don't you don't welcome anybody into a sport that way. And I just I believe in kindness. I believe in being warm and welcoming. And I never I never got that. And so if that's what you're putting out there, if that's your face or your brand of a sport, that's terrible. Yeah. So nothing, nothing I agree. You me. said it well. So. All right. So before we get to our break, some upcoming events, lots of high school hockey still. Make sure you're going out and supporting these high school teams. Coming up on Friday, Centennial Page takes on the Tennessee Outlaws and Centennial Sportsplex. Then back in action are the Outlaws on Monday against Indy Summit Spring Hill at the Sportsplex. And then Centennial Page takes on Brentwood Academy, Franklin Road Academy, and Lipscomb at the Sportsplex. And then down at Ford Ice Center in Antioch, Blackman Stewart's Creek takes on Brentwood Monday night. And then at Bellevue, Hendersonville Station Camp Beach, the Sumner County team, takes on Father Ryan. That's a big matchup right there, Bellevue at 9 o'clock. And college hockey-wise, big matchups for MTSU. The Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders take on Eastern Kentucky Friday and Saturday at Ford Ice Center, both of those games at night. Well, Glenn... You know, it's been really cold. It was really, really cold early so this week. So cold. And you know what you do when when it's really cold? You start thinking about being warm, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you want to I want to warm up. Yeah. You want to take <laughs> a hockey fan cruise, right? Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> you want to go? <laughs> bye, bye, bye. And join us for the Penalty Box Radio Ships and Trips Travel Royal Caribbean Cruise, July 12th and 19th. It's a special hockey fan cruise on the Liberty of the Sea, sailing out of Galveston, Texas, Destinations are Cozumel, Costa Maya, and Roatan, Honduras. And hey, the purpose of this trip, not just for fun, but we're also going to raise money for the Natural Predators Foundation, do some special events. And hey, there's an ice rink on the ship. We have three private rentals to skate on the ship. So if you want to cool down a little bit, you can go go and skate a little bit. And we have cocktail parties, trivia nights, chuck-a-puck, plenty more. You can find more information and book at HockeyFanCruise.com. That's with Royal Caribbean and Chips and Chips Travel and Penalty Box Radio at HockeyFanCruise.com. Okay, up next, we're talking high school hockey and a little bit of everything. I mean, Sam Fleming has plenty of experience already in his young, young age. Up next on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game. Radio here on ESPN one two five the game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Calvin. He's got it behind, behind the 
Class, I want man. him on. I want Calvin man. on the cruise ship. Man. But those jams. Man. Spinning the beats. I love it. I love it. All right. I'm excited to have our next guest on. He recently just joined Penalty Box Radio, but he's been killing it with coverage pregame, postgame, and giving us some insight on G-Nash. That is the, the prep hockey league here in Nashville. Sam Fleming joins us. Sam, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm surprised no fans have gotten mad at me for how many of the guys I predicted on the other teams. <laughs> uh, Matthew Kachuk's probably my least favorite of those. But Hey, it shows you know what you're talking about. <laughs> Uh, if anything else, so uh, Sam is an assistant coach with Franklin, uh, BJ, and Hume Fogg. And Sam, let's let's just go ahead and jump into what is your hockey background? What's your hockey history that led you to coaching? So, uh, growing up here in Nashville, uh, it was tough with hockey starting out. I mean, the Predators were just kind of coming around and still not as big a team as they were yet. They still had guys like Steve Sullivan, Kimo Tiemann, old name players around, but. My dad played hockey in Huntsville, Alabama for a little bit, and it kind of started with all the people moving to the Redstone Arsenal uh, from Michigan. So he grew up kind of a Red Wings fan to start out. Uh, so I started playing in 2004, 2005. I skated a little bit before that. And, you know, I played travel with the Flyers and the Junior Preds, um, got the chance to play in three USA Hockey National Tournaments, which was a lot of fun. That's such a cool experience for any hockey player to play in that. Uh, and then I played G-Nash as well. Um I played for Innsworth Oakland, Innsworth Good Pasture, Innsworth FRA, all the combos that you have across G-Nash. Uh, I enjoyed that. I miss the high school days. Actually, being back behind the bench brings back <laughs> a lot of good memories of that. And um, it's cool to see what you guys do at Penalty Box Radio covering that because it's great to see G-Nash get that coverage right now. Um, and then I spent a couple years working with Alabama Hockey as the play-by-play and color voice, and I really enjoyed that too. Thankful for that experience. And now just happy to be coaching hockey. Um, it's it's cool to give back to the mm-hmm. league that you played in and the coaches that you played under. Um, and it's great to see that the the game of hockey is growing in Nashville right now. And you are you're a homegrown product. Homegrown. That's what's really cool to see too. And you're homegrown and giving back, which is even better too. And so, what's the experience been like for you now? You see how hockey has grown here, and you're obviously I'm sure you're seeing the talent pool grow in high school hockey too what are you seeing in terms of the high school talent coming up here because people ask well what's 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 the skill level like I'm like you guys would be surprised at how fun and how talented some of these kids really are yeah when i graduated there was a really good pool of talent up and coming and I, you still see that nowadays with teams like nba and father ryan and uh, brentwood and then we've got some good talent on Franklin, BGA, um, Hume Fogg, the acronym team, as some people call us. But, um, <laughs> you know, there's so much great talent per each team. Everybody's got a great player out there, and I think everybody really is committed to hockey uh, now in G-Nash especially. I think it's grown over the years in the talent level, and then the fans from the students are getting more involved. If you saw that Father Ryan NBA game, which was after a game against the Outlaws, those stands were packed. And that's exactly what you want to see with high school hockey because here in Nashville, it's not as well known as somewhere like Minnesota where they sell out the XL Center for the state championship. Um, but I'm glad to see where the talent level's going. And then you've got some guys like Lucas Bond, who's a good friend of mine, now going to uh, UAH and Jay Powell, who's at UAH too. Those guys maybe didn't play as much Gene Ash, but still they were from that area. So uh, it's great to see Gene Ash continuing to grow. And I want to touch on the mental aspect of the game, kind of transitioning a little bit from the physical aspect of kind of that shaping of young athletic minds. Um, I think it was um, former NCAA coach John Wooden, I believe, that his whole his whole belief was um, reinforcing the importance of 
the process of skill development over just winning a game. And his quote was, winning is a byproduct of processes. It's not an end goal. So not focusing on just winning and kind of focusing on that skill development, what is that approach that coaches take to reinforce that so players are kind of able to handle losses properly as well as their wins? Yeah, and and I will say that this year, I know coming in, Todd Gross has been a really good friend of mine and who I've played under before and invited me to come coach with him this year at Franklin. We have a great staff, uh, Josh Rizell, who's a goalie coach for us and defensive coach. Um, He's a great goalie and men's league I've got the fortunate chance to play with him and then Jack Charles who was uh, a player for Franklin last year Um, this team kind of they had a slow year last year I think they only had one win but everybody's buying in this year which is great Um, not hanging their heads after a loss they're always keeping their heads up keeping a positive attitude and that's what I like to see and we've really focused on playing as a team and supporting each other and I think the guys and girls have done really well uh, supporting that on the roster, and that's what's led us to some really good games. I mean, we had a big win against Ensworth Nolansville, who's a team that's on the rise with great coaching. Uh, Tim McAllister behind the bench there has really got something going special with that program. But I think it's been a really good year for us to focus on that skill development, but also focusing on having a positive mindset no matter the outcome of each game. Again, Sam Fleming, one of the voices of Penalty Box Radio. You probably heard his game previews or post-game recaps and also assistant coach with Franklin Humefog BGA. So, Sam, let's look at this. If someone's never been, because there's plenty of people that are here that are unicorns, that were that grew up here in the Nashville area, they didn't just move here, uh, but have been here and are alums from a lot of these high schools here too. But maybe they don't realize that they their school has a hockey team, their alma mater has a hockey team. If they've me- never been to one of these games, what, what could they expect? What kind of fun could they have at one of these? I think that they've gotten to be a, a level where the pace is picked up, but also I think high school hockey has started to grow as a sport in the area. As I mentioned, it's not as big as Friday night lights when you're playing a football game and you see those stands packed. But I think you can expect really good hockey for the level of play that you're getting right now. You have a lot of guys who play travel. You have a lot of guys that are going to go play club ACHA hockey somewhere. Uh, But just it's, it's fun to watch and it's fun to coach. And, you know, it might be a little bit stressful being behind the bench sometimes when you're in tight games, but that makes for the better ones for the fans. But I would say if you've never been to see your high school, if you're an alum, or even if you're in school at the school right now, you've got to go. Because even though the great new Bellevue rink, and I know Antioch's a little bit away, but downtown at Centennial, it's worth going to see your team at least once every year. And that's what I want our fans and fans of hockey in general, even fans that are just Preds fans, come watch what the younger kids and the next generation of hockey has to offer. No, you're absolutely right. And with that as well as college hockey, a lot of the club teams, and you were the voice of Alabama hockey for three seasons. What was that experience like, especially because Alabama's really grown their hockey program so much that now they have a D1 and a D3 team. It's ACHA, so it's club hockey, as we, as we mentioned, folks. And so you, you had that experience. What was that like for you? It's the greatest experience I could have asked for, you know, coming out of not playing hockey straight after high school. I didn't know what I wanted to do necessarily, but I called football um, at Innsworth for the color position for their broadcast. And I'm just thankful for all the fans and everybody on that staff. You know, Kyle Richards, who's the head coach down here, and I really appreciate his time that he'd given to me in those three years and just everybody who listened to the broadcast, whether that be 
Alabama fans or people from different teams. That support meant a lot to me, and I I couldn't have picked a better place to start it. And you know, found some great opportunities to coach and work with you guys at Penalty Box Radio, which I'm very much enjoying. So I give Alabama credit for getting my start in hockey broadcasting, and I really appreciate that. You definitely have plenty of fans as well, as as we've learned that you have plenty of supporters out there. And before we have to let you go uh, for this segment, what is one thing, let's switch to the Preds here too, what's one thing that surprised you so far this season, whether it's good or bad? You know, <laughs> I've got to say the one thing that surprised me is how good the depth has been this year. I talk about it in my previews, Austin Watson, Colton Sissons, but Nick Bonino especially, they've both, real, all three of them have had a really good year, and Callie Yarncrock you can throw in the mix. Um, I'm waiting for that breakout moment for Dante Fabro because he's got guys that are rookie defensemen like Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr, who I talked about in my preview, who's on fire right now, that are kind of surrounding him. But I, I've been happy to see what Forsberg's doing. I'm happy to see how Duchesne's fitting in as well. I hope this is the year for Nashville that they get a guy that's a top-level scorer in the league. Will this be the year? Possibly. But um I've been really pleased with Roman Yossi. That's been my good surprise this year, stepping up in the place of Subban, producing the offense, and still being a great leader. But the depth in Roman Yossi have been my two pleasant surprises. Excellent. Well, Sam, thanks so much for joining us, giving some insight in high school hockey. And, folks, hey, Franklin, Humefog, BGA, you I mean, know, there's plenty of alums out there. The school's been around for a while. Get out and go watch a game. Support your local hockey teams. All right, well, Sam, thanks so much. Up next... We're going to have George Manorangas. We're going to take a switch. We're going to talk deep into analytics. He's been tracking the Preds all season. He he doesn't blink when he does it either. We're going to talk it's about fascinating. <laughs> it's fascinating. Honestly. We're going to talk about that up next on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025, The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Calvin. Hey. Can anybody in the studio name that song? There are five people in there. Surely da one baby. of you. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're going to say that every time. Yep. Anybody? Nuck if you buck. Any, uh, oh. Wait, what was I it? I have heard that. Nuck if you buck. Oh, yeah. That was I without, say yeah, but I have no idea. That was without lyrics, right? Yeah, everything's an instrumental. Right, I don't yeah. do lyrics. See, okay, at least I've heard of that. But see, we're progressing. You'll get one next week. I feel it, Justin. <laughs> oh, boy. The only ones I got was Halloween because I knew those songs. <laughs> All right. Well, folks, very happy to have George Matarangas join us. He is our analytics expert. And also, hey, we talked high school hockey. He's the head coach for the Tennessee Outlaws JV team. So it's all high school There's hockey. There's a lot of talent it. in this room. I love it. And it's also cool to see how tight the hockey community is here. People just know each other. Well, George, welcome to the show. Oh, it's great to be back. Absolutely. So let's dive right in. Uh, your thoughts on Nick Benino. <laughs> I, I have learned to accept that Nick Benito is going to shoot thirty percent for the rest of his life. <laughs> I, just, I don't know what to say anymore, man. It, it does it okay. Is he one of those players that right now, with the way he's performed and producing, it's just throwing things off because he's doing something that is not capable of continuing on? It's just it's crazy, right? I mean, so the thing about Nick Benito is that he's produced the places where he's shooting from are very high percentage places. Sure. So I do understand why he has as many goals as he does, but at the same time. I think he has something like three or four expected goals and has eight at the moment, <laughs> which that can't continue. But I mean, hey, 
It's something's do, something's happening. Honestly, who knows anymore? I, I, I've been saying, like, oh, Pecorino will probably fall down a little bit, come back to average. But and it's then, been three or four years since that. Right. Uh, so so let's, look, let's look at this. You've been tracking stats. And let's go ahead and just give another introduction to this, too. When we say, and you say you're tracking stats, what exactly are you looking at when you're watching Preds games? Uh, I'm mostly watching for uh, transition data. It's one of the things that the NHL doesn't track themselves. And so uh, there's a few other people that do it, but I'm the only one that does it consistently for the Preds. So, uh yeah, what I'm mostly looking at is uh, are we are the Predators exiting the zone with possession or are they just dumping it out or are they failing a lot? Are they entering the zone with possession or are they you know just dumping it in? Uh, but a couple of the things I like to track is puck battles won versus lost. And um, that's been that's been a, a tough one because there is kind of a discrepancy. You know, what do you consider a puck battle? You know, is it just hits? Is it just in the corners? So that, that kind of is tricky. But the other one that I really that I'm really passionate about tracking is a high danger passes and high danger blocks and high danger defenses and stuff like that and uh it's interesting the trends that have shown themselves so far okay so i want to dig into the mikhail granlin this is very fascinating to me reading what you wrote about him because correct me if i'm wrong but analytically speaking there are things that look great in his favor right but he's not on the score sheet as far as scoring goals so i want you to kind of dive in and give us your insight on what necessarily is he not doing that he's not scoring these goals when other things tend to look like analytically he should be, right? So Mikhail Granlin is suffering from something that a lot of other players on this team are suffering from. Uh, Matt Duchesne, one of them, and uh, Ryan Johansson, Victor Arvidsson were at the start of the year, and that's not playing with Philip Forsberg. And <laughs> well, that answers that. That's it, it is... <laughs> No I, analytics needed there. <laughs> it's easy. I, I, I'm not joking. I'm gonna, I'll do an article later. I'm going to have a little bit more of a sample size. But zone transition and high danger pass success versus failure is almost directly tied with having Philip Forsberg on, on the ice. I, it's incredible. I, I, you know, I always knew he was a good player. I always knew he was a great player. I always knew that he was one of the best puck drivers in the Central Division, maybe even the NHL. I did not know that the success of you know, that top six was so tied to him. <laughs> Um, and so one of the things that Mikhail Granlin does really well is he goes to the net. And when you're playing with Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne, and, you know, they're very good at getting the puck around the ice, not just up and down, but also into the soft areas in the offensive zone, uh, you know, opportunities are going to present themselves. Um, but one of the things that I think that Granlin's suffering from is while he does get to the areas of the ice that he needs to get to, he does get lost every now and again. And what I what I mean is, Sometimes he'll be in the in the soft areas and the puck will squirt out and he'll try to you know he'll try to chase a puck that he has absolutely no business getting to and instead of getting back into a more defensive position, he kind of takes himself out of the play um, and that that's a that's a tough one. I, it, it is a little tricky to say just with, with the data that I have in front of me because I, I haven't done all the culmination yet. But one of the things that's really hurting him right now is his puck battles won versus lost in the corner and just in general. He's I think. He, Last time I saw, he was something. He was losing. You know, he was winning one battle compared to every like two point seven that he that he loses. And while the Predators as a whole are not great in the corners and not good at winning these battles, that is exceptionally bad. And so I think that when the Predators maintain possession of the puck, especially entering the offensive zone, you know, he starts to shine a little bit more, especially a little bit more in transition. But when he plays with worse players and when he plays with not Philip Forsberg players that can't move the puck as well he suffers from that dump and chase mentality and then he's chasing pucks he's chasing bodies and all of a sudden he's chasing the puck 
up the other way, uh, the other end of the ice. And, and so, again, this is George Radarangas. He's our analytics expert for Penalty Box Radio. And, George, you're talking about uh, high danger. Obviously, we talk about that a lot, but also possession and puck battles. And, and you mentioned to me how you wanted to mention puck battles that the Preds are losing consistently, but they're not the ones that you think they're going to lose. Yeah. What are, what are those? Who do you who do you guys, just quick little poll, who do you guys think is the best puck battle winner in, on the Predators? Oh, gosh. I'm going to throw out uh, Colton Sissons. Okay. That's so tough. I'm trying to think. <laughs> Who is it? Who is it? It's Callie Yarncroke. Okay. Callie Yarncroke is the really? best puck battle winner on the Predators. And he doesn't do it physically. He just He's a very smart player. He gets into where he needs to be. He almost It's almost like a wedge. He wedges himself in between players and, and the puck, and he is very hard to take off. It's very interesting. And um, He doesn't win a ton in the offensive zone, but in the defensive zone, if he gets the puck, the puck's going out. Whether it's by hook or by crook, that puck is leaving the zone. <laughs> <laughs> um, Colton Sissons is also very, very good. I've really, Yay! I've been enjoying his game. I think he's probably <laughs> in the top four. But like after Yarncroke, after Johansson, after Forsberg, especially, and Craig Smith has done an admirable job. It really drops off. Like last night, uh, Rocco Grimaldi lost six puck battles. And one of the things that I, one of the things that I've been worried about with Fabro is how he's been doing. Last night he lost eight puck battles and only won one. And eight battles is you know more than anyone, and it's two more than than the next uh, than the next highest. But that's more than most like lines are losing in a game, which is just which is nuts. So with the with this data too, obviously other teams and every team's different with who they have in terms of analytics folks on there. Do you think that some people might be tracking these for other teams as well, and then being able to target how what who they're, in terms of matchups and who they're putting out there, knowing some of this data? I'm sure they are. I mean, I I like to think that some of my data might be unique, but they're a team. They're you know you have Sports Logic, you have uh, uh, Statlead. I mean, they're these companies that make millions of dollars a year that sell their data to, to angel teams, and they have teams of people working mm-hmm. on it. Where the average game takes me about um, I'd say probably say if a, yeah sixty minutes in a game probably takes me about thirty minutes per period to okay. watch, and that's just with me, and that's only with the you know let's say eight or nine stats that I'm tracking. I mean, they got, they have, they'll have 10 people watch a game and they'll be able to track everything. Yeah, they'll track <laughs> everything that happens, whether it's passes to the mid-danger, passes to low-danger, oh, passes yeah. north to high, or, you know, uh, low to high, stuff like that. And I'd like to get into power play, but at this point in my time, I just don't. Right. I, I got a job. I have other things I have to do. <laughs> oh, you have a life? Yeah, it's oh, crazy. Oh, my goodness, it's crazy. So last night, too, you mentioned to me about how it was a little interesting, the 15 high-danger passes attempted last night being a season high. Uh, has is their five high danger passes completed as well as those out of 16. So was it unique then for them to not win when they're setting this types of thing in terms of high danger opportunities? Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, full, fully take that and run with it too. Cause I want you to explain what all this means as well to everybody. So a pass to the high danger area is just a pass to anywhere between the two circles, pretty much in the offensive zone and then down. Uh, and what this does is, uh, pre pre shot movement is the catalyst. You know, it is the amplifier of uh, expected goals, and it is what a lot of us can kind of track as what helps a, a goal become a goal. Um, that said, the Predators excel much more in transition and excel much more in bringing the puck themselves into a high danger area and making that pass. But as far as possession time goes in the zone, they really have a tough time. A lot of it spent along the perimeter. A lot of it spent getting passes up the defense to take these really low-quality shots from up high and hoping for a tip that never really comes. And when it does, everyone points and says, aha, there it is, but 
we're only doing that maybe once every four or five times a game. Like, there are teams like the Sharks, for example. The Sharks were a machine against the against the Predators. I think they had something like twenty two. If I if I remember correctly, they had twenty two passes to the high danger area, and they completed twelve of them. Oh. Like I mean, they were doing it with much more efficiency. And you can talk about, you know, they have Joe Thornton, they have Tomas Hurdle, they have Timo Meyer, they have Kevin LeBanc, but the Predators have Philip Forsberg, Matthew Shane, Ryan Johansson. Like those those are good players. And when you have guys like Victor Arvidsson that are good at getting to the net, and you have guys like Mikhail Granlin that can get to the net, you'd expect them to be just a little bit better. But a lot of it also comes down to uh, trying to make these passes in transition where it can be a little trickier. Sure. So last question then before we have to go to break. If you were setting the lineup and say all players being healthy, <laughs> who, what you're, instead of all four, who would be your top six, the first two lines? How would, you, how would you lay that out there thinking that they're going to have the most opportunity to provide the most amount of goals and everything like that that the team needs? Uh, I'd probably start with Cal Yermkroke, Ryan Johansson, Victor Arvidsson. Um, you have them face off against other teams' top top matchups, and again, that, that only really works at home. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you have uh, Philip Forsberg, Matt Duchesne, Mikhail Granlund, because those last two guys have looked not great without Philip Forsberg. <laughs> interesting. Well, it's always interesting to learn about this. It's always fascinating because it's one of those things that, as we continue to dive deeper in, we're learning more about the game too and how it can be applied. And you do have some players out there that are learning more and more too about themselves and they're getting deeper into the weeds because they want to know about this as well so are, are there any players that stand out to you that do really appreciate the advanced analytics that you can think of uh taylor hall um i think every hockey player that's good should love analytics because <laughs> all it is it's just making them more money <laughs> right like that, that's that's all it does um then you have guys like mark shafley who are good hockey players but don't have great analytics and they're they're saying you can't measure chemistry and the fun fact is we actually can. Like we we can actually <laughs> we we have tools that let us do that. <laughs> Ka- so. Calvin wants to talk to you after the show as well. Oh, perfect. <laughs> no, in a another good way. Fan. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Usually it's the other way. Yeah. No. <laughs> just send him, just send him a message instead. Yeah. <laughs> we, we got protection for George when we're leaving the studio here. Thank now, you. Well, George, thank you so much. Thank you for what you do too, because it's really interesting data. Really happy that we can share it on Penalty Box Radio and give fans just a little more insight into how the team's doing. Oh, my pleasure. Absolutely. Okay. Up next, we have one dumb thing said on Preds Facebook. Yeah, it's kind of. There's bad. not only one. I know there's we're only one. We're just only going to talk about really? one. <laughs> wow. <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about one, and we have plenty of questions to answer. Up next here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game, Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Calvin. That one that one sounds like a good sports anthem theme right there. It's called All the Way Turned Up. You looked very well, proud when you played that one. So I, I was mean, just hoping you turnt. guys would turn up in there. I mean, I was, I was turned I'm up. I'm all the way turned. I mean, if you're about to play sports, you want to be turned up. And I turned my volume all the way up when you played that. It's a good little jam. Wow. Turned. Don't wow. even. Wow. Hush. Okay, I'm just brought back to the Buck days where (laughs) that that that. used to happen all the time. You earned that. (laughs) You earned it. All right, we have intern Danielle sitting in. It is time for Dumb Things Said on Pred's Facebook. Here we go. I've said it before, and I'll say it again, dot, 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 dot. 
Pekka has got to retire. And then five exclamation marks. Five exclamation marks. This person marks. is very serious. Very serious. And they were they were not trolling. They were very, very serious. They're because least... they said it before. Yes. And, and then when you click again. on the person's name, they hadn't said it before in the group. Uh, <laughs> this is actually the first comment in like four years. And this is like the second game they've ever watched. <laughs> right. Say it before and I'll say it again. Well, I just put it here because I've said it before to other people. Yes, because we know that. Said it before and I'll say it again. Man, I love being a turtle. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, come on. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm too young. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, my gosh. I got burned twice in one segment. That's two times. Okay. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. No, you're on radio. That would really be bad. (laughs) That would be really bad. Okay. This is from Ty Likes Beer. Oh, well, I guess Ty... I like beer. Okay, do you think Laviolette should continue to use the line blender, trademark, <laughs> or should he let them stay in place for a few games, trying to spark some offense that that way doesn't seem to be working? I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm very curious about this because the blender just seems to be little small shifts here and there with replacing players, and then you'll see a couple of games in a row where they'll be the same players and then they'll lose. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in terms of line blending, I think one, it depends on health and performance and everything, but I would like to see... I mean, I really like George's suggestion with the top six. I think it really makes sense in, in terms of what you're getting out of each line as well. And then you're putting players that have some talent with Philip Forsberg, like Matt Duchesne and Mikhail Glenland, mm-hmm. that would benefit from being with Philip Forsberg. And then you have Ryan Johansson, Victor Arvidsson, and Cal Yarncroke. So you have a defense, a non-defensive liability in Cal Yarncroke to be on the first line right there. But also he's had a decent season when he's been asked to, to actually produce offensively. So... I would like to see it stay together for a little bit and see what happens, Glenn. Yeah. I mean, I think that I, I like the idea of blending, to be honest. I mean, I think that it gives the Predators an advantage because as long as, that's, as long as that team stays ready in those shifts, then it's hard for another team to predict the line they're playing against and how that, and how that playing against them is going to pan out. So I think it helps them. Um, but then again, you also want to see somebody play long, you know, together long enough to give them some consistency, some chemistry. So it's kind of tricky. Um, but I kind of, I mean, I like the line blender and I like the term, the phrase line blender. That's great. Nice little trademark. I like the line blender right now, considering that the top six, all of them are so talented individually with Matt Duchesne, Mikhail Granlin, Philip Forsberg. They're all very talented as one person, and they're building that chemistry. It's game 18. It's early in the season. If they're going to shuffle the lines, why not do it now, and why not build chemistry with all of them instead of just being individually talented? Okay. All right. Now, this one from David. Thoughts on the Colorado Avalanche Stadium Series jerseys that leaked? Now you can put in that little sound effect. (laughs) For those jerseys, not for me. <laughs> That's how I feel about the jerseys. To be honest, they looked like they came from an article on The Onion or something. Like the photo that actually had the jersey on the guy, it just didn't look. It didn't look real. Am I wrong? A. No. A. That's what's on there is an A. Yeah. When so I that's, on the, that's my thoughts. When I clicked on the picture, my first thought was that's a Pee Wee jersey. Like I didn't realize that oh. that was the Avalanche jersey. Yeah, that's really brutal. And I'm not really sorry. I thought it was a children's jersey. <laughs> I'm just not a fan. Oh, it no, doesn't, yeah, it doesn't stand okay. out. It doesn't stand out to me in a positive way. It stands out like, oh, oh. oh not oh. really sure what they were going for, but 
Interesting. You know, if it works for them, it works for them. Yeah, okay. We'll see what it's Blues fans have to say about that since they seem to be just be enjoying ragging on Nashville's mm-hmm. uniform. Well, we're the Blues. We waited forever because we got swept three straight times in the Stanley Cup, and then we won the Stanley Cup, so we're just going to hate on everything else. Anyways, <laughs> Sean asks, yes, here's one, and be honest. Why are we playing so bad, but yet our current roster is light years better than it has been? That's where analytics <laughs> comes in. <laughs> George, George? you're busting up <laughs> laughing about this. Yes, this team is talented. They have lots of talent on this team. Has th- have things been working all the time? No. And we've seen how sometimes it means change in strategy as well. And one of those things is puck possession, taking the puck in when you're actually able to maintain possession instead of dumping it in. Then you have to have a puck battle to win possession back. We see those things. Power play. Sometimes it takes a change in strategy for the power play to work, and what do you know? It works a little better because they're being more creative, and they're actually passing it around, trying to create shooting lanes now as well. So I think a lot of it might come just come down to strategy. I'm not blaming a coach on it. I'm saying sometimes things just aren't clicking, and you have to change things up. So that's what you want to see is we're about to pass the quarter mark of this, of the season, and the next quarter of the season, do things change? How do things go? Yes, every team has their slump, so – Watch them go on a five-game point streak and filled with four wins and a shootout loss or something. And you're like, oh, what was that question again? I mean, it goes up and forth. There's ebbs and flows. So I'm curious to see just how the next quarter goes to see if these same questions really do start coming up again. Yeah, it's like I said in the first segment, guys. Like, no matter what sport you're playing, you're never going to have a a fully consistent year or season. It's not going to happen. Um, So I think that, you know, all analytics aside, (laughs) at some point it's it's going to pan out and they're going to start playing better hockey and then they're going to also have other games. For the rest of the season, they're going to have other bad games. You know, it's going to happen. Sure. But Pekka... But Pekka has got, got to, to retire. retire. Got to retire. It's gotta. And it's probably to their advantage right now that they're playing not their best this early in the season because they have that time to develop. And it's not like they're playing awful hockey. They had some rough games, but the penalty kills <laughs> average. <big> one. <laughs> <laughs> penalty kills average. Power plays above average. They're not Ottawa. They're not Detroit. <laughs> or the Wild. <laughs> Put that on the board. <laughs> At least we're not. <laughs> That should be their bio on Twitter. At least we're, we're not, not Ottawa. <laughs> At least they're going through this now so that once you're past 18 and you're to 68 games, you're not experiencing this, all well, these if errors. They, if, they have, if they have a 9-4 game, 70 games into the season, then there's going to be a lot of question marks. That's a problem. <laughs> That's when they're Detroit. <laughs> Real quick, uh, Johnny asks, is there a rental option out there for Poyle to trade for or someone from Milwaukee that might be ready to stretch run in the third D pairing to give them some cushion? Look, I know they talked about this on Preds Insiders with Ryan Porth and Jeremy K. Gover. I think that is going to be something that Poyle is going to look at in the next month or so because I still would rather see Dante Fabro on the third pairing. He did okay with Dane Hamus, who they could play even more protected minutes that way. And then you get a veteran defenseman to come up with Matthias Ekholm. That's what I really would like to see to solidify the team on the blue line. And it's nothing against Dante Frabos. So it gives him more time to season because you're throwing him to the Wolves. I mean, at least Seth Jones will play another third pairing. So the second pairing is first season. Uh, so uh, give him a little more seasoning, and I'd like to see that, that kind of thing happen. But I really don't think anybody in Milwaukee is going to come up and make a difference, given what's happening with, with the team right now. I really don't think they would make a difference out there. Anyone else? Have to go. 
Yep. It's the same. I feel the same. All right. So we'll see. We'll keep track of that and make sure you watch out for trolls on Twitter. Folks, thanks so much to Sam Fleming, George Matarangas, producer Calvin, intern Danielle, and for Glenn Blockle, this is Justin Bradford. You can find more information at PenaltyBoxRadio.com for anything you need, all the coverage of hockey for all things hockey in the Music City. Thanks for tuning in to Penalty Box Radio here at ESPN 1025 The Game. Ha, ha, ha.